and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled with many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for this time. As we use this time to continue to worship you, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. We pray that you would drown out all the noises that are going on in our hearts, in our minds, distractions, to hear what you're saying, what you've already been saying through the songs, through communion, through the dedications, through uh, this time as we reflect on your word. Lord, I pray that also let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto your sight through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for your glory. Amen. This morning we're looking at a passage from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it's a it's a very uh, interesting passage. It's a small section that we're going to be spending a bit of time on. The Gospel of Luke is sort of an autobiography of Jesus' life while he was here physically on this earth. Uh, and, and in a few weeks, actually, as a church, we're actually going to go through this Gospel. We're going to go through the Gospel of Luke. And it happens that we're actually skipping this section. So I'm not, like, repeating my sermon for that time or anything, if you're wondering. Uh, Luke is an amazing uh, Gospel because it's very detailed. Uh, it is actually a two-part series. You've got Luke's Gospel and, the, uh, and Acts is the other one that he wrote. And it's written to the same person. And it's a detailed account of Jesus' life. And Luke has some really interesting, really cool, unique things about the Gospel. As you read it, you'll see it. But one of the things is that uh, there's often quite a lot of interaction between Jesus and women, and particularly in his ministry. And so this is what we come up to in this small section here. What's happened just in the background of the few chapters before uh, this, this section is uh, Jesus and his disciple had headed off on a bit of a short-term mission trip. So Jesus has told them to go and, and he's empowered them and they've gone on this short-term mission trip. But not only that, attached to it, Jesus actually told them, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you to follow Jesus Christ. And just before this, it's probably one of the most famous parables or the famous stories that Jesus ever told. You've seen paintings about it. There's probably been many of sermons about it. It's about the story about the Good Samaritan. So we come up to this section. You'll have to excuse me. I'm trying to get over a cold and my throat goes... I'm not breaking my voice or anything, if you're wondering. So for those of you um, hearing the recording, I apologize for the the noise. Um, anyway, so Jesus uh, is uh, come to this village. Uh, Martha is uh, the person of this household. She welcomes Jesus into the household and, and straight away she gets to work. And she also has a sister by the name of Mary. Now Mary does something interesting as we just heard in that story. Mary decides to go and sit at Jesus' feet, at the Lord's feet. Now that's quite strange for a woman in that time, in that culture. The role of a woman at that time was to head off and get involved in getting the food ready, getting the things ready for the guests, while the men sat around and talked business. And in this context, Jesus is doing some teaching. So, But Mary, is some powerful thing is going on right there in that moment as Mary is distracted actually by Jesus. And she is so distracted by Jesus that she decides to sit down at the feet of 
Jesus. She's listening to the Lord's teaching. She's taking in what he's saying. She's captivated by him. But in this moment, there's something amazing, something beautiful, something glorious going on. Do you know what's going on? It's in that moment where it says that Mary is listening. Something going on in her heart. She's been changed. The word, the language there is actually she's listening, figuratively meaning that she's actually hearing God's voice and she's been prompted to birth. Her life is changing. If you want to use our language, she's coming to believe in the teachings of Jesus, who he is, what he's saying. Ultimately, she knows that she's hearing God's voice. And on one hand, you have Mary, captivated and distracted by Jesus Christ. She's not doing what she's supposed to be doing. And then on the other hand, you have Martha in verse 40. It talks about Martha being drawn away. She's distracted. She's busy doing work. And actually what she's really doing is she's serving. She's doing what is expected of her. And this serving is actually not about her sort of saying, oh, here we go, this is my woman's job, I should do it. And all the men sit around and do nothing. This actually, she really wants to do this. She wants to serve Jesus. So Martha's running around, she's pouring the drinks, she's offering the food, she's cleaning things up, she's plating things up on her plate, and she's Instagramming it and putting it up on her Instagram account. I mean, if she had Facebook, it might say something like this, whew, such a busy day, totes. We hosted Jesus. My sister, on the other hand, hashtag don't get me started. She's totally moved by this reality that she's so caught up in the busyness. She's uh, wanting to serve Jesus, but she's actually distracted. And she does something that I think most siblings would do. She dobs Mary in. If you want to use Aussie language, she goes up to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care? Can't you see? Now, of course, Jesus can see. And the language is so strong. She's passionately annoyed at her sister. She goes so um, convictingly up to Jesus and says, she's abandoned me. She's completely abandoned me. And I'm lost. I'm doing this on my own. Now, I wonder where Mary is in all of this. You know, maybe she's sitting there listening or maybe she's poking her tongue. I go, you know, I don't know. But you do feel the tension of Martha, right? And this is the moment where if Martha was standing next to Mary, she's looking at Mary going, now you're going to get it. Now you're going to be told. (laughs) And what does Jesus say? In verse 41 onwards says, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. In verse 42, But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Can you put yourself in Martha's shoes in that moment? She's hoping that Jesus will have a good go at Mary, and Mary will be told to come and help. And But in that moment, what Jesus is saying, he's pushing away from all the things that are going on, and he's directly speaking at the heart of Martha. And he's saying, Martha, Martha, you are distracted about so many things. You're so anxious about so many things and in your busyness and all your work that you're doing. 
It's leading you to be agitated. If you want to use our day and language, you're right in the heart of Panic City. You're being so busy to get the job done. And what is happening? She's missed it. She's missed what matters the most in that moment. Jesus knows. He is Jesus, but also he's seen the busyness. He sees that Martha is serving him. I, I personally don't think Jesus is rebuking Martha in this. But in many ways, what he's saying, he's trying to get to the heart of the issue. He's saying, you are so distracted, it's causing you to become agitated. And Jesus is saying, Martha, what matters the most is not all this serving that you're doing, all this busyness that you're involved in. Jesus is showing a contrast that his, her sister has done. He says, Mary has chosen what matters. She has chosen what is good. It is a good thing that she has chosen because it actually comes from God. And in this moment, the language that's said is Mary has chosen salvation. She's chosen Jesus' salvation over the busyness and striving and anxiety that Martha has chosen. And in light of that, it won't be taken away from her because she's chosen something that's far more important than all that serving, all that busyness. As much as it may be good, those things will actually fade away at the end of the day. The salvation portion that Jesus offers will not fade away. See, I love the thing I love about Jesus Christ is that he's not interested in all the smoke screen that we put up in our lives. He's always going straight to the heart of the matter. He's pushing away from the smoke screen and all the status updates that we might have on our Facebook accounts. And he's getting straight to the heart and saying, listen, you're choosing things that don't really matter. You're being distracted with many things. Be distracted with me. Friends, I don't know about you. Where are you in this picture? Who are you in this picture? Are you Mary or are you Martha? In 2013, the Australian Psychology Society did a stress and well-being study. And in that study, one of the few things that came out was a significant growth, anxiety and stress that keeps on growing in the Australian population. And it was all driven out of how busy they are, how stressed they are. They've got a lot of things going on in their lives. One of the things they talked about is financial issues remain the leading cause of stress amongst Australians. And not only that, there's issues of family and finances and job security. All of those things added to it. So we do live in a culture that is uh, well-stressed and, 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 and anxious, and that's constantly in our lives. And I'm sure even here this morning, if I walked around and said, how are you going? There are many of us who are anxious and worried about many things. And many of us are busy, constantly busy. Isn't that what happens? When I walk up to someone or someone comes up to me and says, hey, how are you? I don't say how I am. I say I'm busy. That somehow has become an identity. We constantly do it. I do it. And we live in this culture that drives in and pushes this idea of busyness and constant on the go. That's what we're told constantly, right? 
I mean, you don't have to drive far from here and realize this. I worked in retail many years ago. And one of the things that I was there when the whole idea of Sunday trading came in and the big issues they caused about it. And how now shopping centers open later, restaurants are open later, there's even takeaway places that are open 24 hours. You can go to a gym that it's open 24 hours. And that might be convenient for people, but that idea of rest is sort of thrown out. You have to work. You have to be busy. You have to be distracted. It's a constant thing. And distraction, you pull your phone out. It's right in front of you. This idea of busyness, this idea of uh, constantly running around and doing these things, in some sense, uh, it's part of our culture, but I think it also adds into our Christian culture where there's a sense that if how busy we are somehow leads to holiness, somehow leads to that I'm holy. When Jesus is saying in this moment, no, all the work that you do to somehow earn something, in particular in this context, salvation, you cannot earn it. I can't earn it. That's the whole point. Here is Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's not doing anything. She's just sitting. That's what Jesus is saying. You cannot earn. Come and sit at my feet. Choose me. Be distracted with me. Now, there are many of us here on Sunday morning in particular, you know Jesus. You know this idea that you are saved by grace through faith alone. You talk about it. We talk about it with our non-Christian friends. I talk about it. But I wonder something happens in our lives, that we believe that we are saved by grace through faith alone. But in reality, Jesus is far more pleased with me based on how busy and how distracted I am. If I'm like Martha... Friends, all of us in different ways, many of us, myself included, are anxious and troubled in our hearts about many things. Jesus is saying in this moment, stop. 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 Sit at my feet. Because Jesus is not impressed. My busyness, your busyness, all the serving. He's not impressed. One thing he requests is for you to stop and seek him and be distracted by him. Stopping means standing your phone off. (gasps) That might stress some of us. That might mean not answering your emails when you come back from work. Switching the TV off. And Jesus is saying, stop, sit at my feet. <laughs> this is the thing, you know, when you, you prepare a sermon, you have this idea in your head and you go, oh, yeah, look, yeah, that'd be a good thing. The church really needs it. Bad mistake. As I was preparing this, God was really convicting me deeply. And I, In my mind, as I was wrestling with this, I, I, I couldn't help do this. But Jesus, there's no time to stop. I mean, people need to be served. I mean, I mean, I need to play with my kids, which is a good thing. I love playing with my kids. Things at the house need to get sorted. I mean, dinner gets to get, get ready on the table. Okay, my wife does that, but I think about it. 
I mean, you know, at church, you know, things need to get done at church. You know, we, we need to stack the chairs up. We need to set up the sound system. We've got to do this. And Jesus, you've got me doing a sermon about busyness. I, I haven't got time to stop. I need to think about the sermon. It was perfect timing, whoever's phone that was, wasn't it? The Holy Spirit's moving today, guys. That's all right. I'm not distracted. Don't, don't, don't be embarrassed. It's fine. <clears throat> But in this moment, there's a sense that I'm wrestling with it. I wonder if you wrestle with it, right? And there's a part of me that goes, Jesus, if you're telling me to stop, what are you telling me? Are you telling me that I need to shave my head, lock myself in some little hut up in the hills, and become a part of a monastery sect, and I sing Kumbaya till Jesus returns? I don't think Jesus is saying that. I hope not. I mean, at the end of the day, who's going to pay the bills in that hut? I mean, what about you? What, what about your schedule? You think about your schedule this week. Maybe the, not the week that's gone, the week you're about to have. There's work schedules, there's school runs that you need to do, there's study, there's social engagements, there's dates, there's status updates on Facebook, there's ministry things that you're involved in, there's parties that you have to go to. If you've got kids at that stage of sport runs, you're all over the place on Saturdays. I've even heard some people say, well, Shabu, did not Jesus come to serve? Shouldn't we also be serving like Martha? Like I said, I don't think Jesus is actually turning around and saying, unplug, quit your jobs, don't be involved in anything, go hide in the hills. But I think what Jesus is trying to get at, I think we all need to try to understand through his word is this. He's not asking us to begin a life of looking within oneself and finding inner peace. What Jesus is saying at the very heart of this passage is, Choosing that is something much better. That's him. That you and I are being distracted by Jesus. See, in verse 40, Martha's distracted. And she's actually not doing anything wrong. She's serving Jesus. But she's distracted. She's being pulled away from something that is much better than all the serving that is to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. She's so busy. In many ways, what she's really doing, it's so busy, so uh, flat out serving Jesus, that ultimately what she's doing is she's giving Jesus her leftovers. She's not keeping what matters first. Her relationship with Jesus, to be able to sit at the feet of Jesus, to be distracted by him. See, Jesus, I don't think, is sitting up in heaven now and, and sitting on the right hand of the Father who, and he's reigning and he rules and he will return again soon. He's not sitting there going, oh, I'm so annoyed at all your busyness. But what Jesus, I think, is really getting at in our own lives is it's almost like you put, put a bit of a um, stock take in your life. And you and I, if we had a, a week schedule in front of us, we're so busy doing these busy things, maybe even for Jesus, but we're so busy. But ultimately what we're doing is any God stuff, anything about sitting at the feet of Jesus, being distracted by Jesus, we squeeze it in when it fits, sort of filling in the cracks. What Jesus is saying is always say, seek him first. Make him your first priority. Friends, we need to ask the question, are we seeking Jesus? Are we wanting to sit at his feet? Just, not just on Sundays, not just at small group, not just during when you pray for your lunch or dinner or breakfast, 
What Jesus is trying to get at, are you sitting at his feet, seeking him? Is that happening in your life? Is that happening in my life? Friends, I know if we all did a stock tag, we would probably fall short. And the whole point of this time is not to make you feel all just guilty and throw a heap. And, and many of us might be even sitting here saying, Shabu, you don't understand. It's Mother's Day. You don't see what I have to deal with while my husband's at work doing all these things. There's busyness. I understand that. And this is the point where I might just simply say to you, well, you know what it's about? It's simply about reading your Bible and praying. And I do this sort of guilty bucket thing and I pour it onto you and I hit you around and say, you should be reading your Bible more, you should be praying more, you should be doing this, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Friends, if I just leave you with this big legalistic list of practices, we're just adding another list to somehow maintain. It is good to read God's word. It is good to be still and pray. It's good to unpack and be still in his presence. But we need to do all of those things through the lens and the power and the might of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, knowing that Jesus has already done it for us, you and I can actually rest at his feet. He's done it for us. Knowing that he's worked on our behalf and done all the serving that is the best of his ability and more than any serving that you and I do will not compare to what he has done. We can rest in that reality at his feet. This means you and I can lay down a prideful, busyness lifestyle because he's actually laid down his life for us on the cross. And this means that you and I can constantly come to Jesus in the midst of our shortfalls. Because he's ever gracious. He's ever loving. And he's not interested in your legalistic ritual behavior. What he desires is a heart that chooses the good portion. Always. And that good portion is Jesus himself. Friends, you and I are called to choose him. That means for us in our daily life sometimes just stop, stop, stop. To sit at his feet in our hearts to choose him. In light of that, what could it look like? Well, here are some things to consider. I want to ask this question to you. As you sit here and think about all the serving, all the things that you're doing and how busy you are and you know that you're not sitting at the feet of Jesus as much as you do, well, here's a question to consider. What are the things, habits or lifestyle right now that is distracting you from the good portion of seeking Jesus? What are the things, habits or lifestyles right now that is distracting you from the good portion of seeking Jesus? Are you running to Jesus as a crisis manager, that he's only there when things go wrong? Or are you running to him every day? Friends, we're told every day in the world that we have to be busy. Jesus is not looking to that. He's wanting you to be still. Seek the good portion. And I, I find it interesting, this, this, this passage that we just looked at, where it is, it's right in the middle where you've got these guys have gone on a short-term mission trip. They've been doing all this serving for Jesus. 
and then you have Martha serving Jesus. And right there in that moment, this author Luke puts it right there. And I think it's sort of saying ultimately to us, there's actually far more one thing that's far more important than any ministry thing that you and I could ever do for Jesus. And that is for us to be ministered by him to us. That he ministers to us because he's our savior and king. Are you allowing Jesus to minister to you every day? Or are you and I squeezing him out and maybe asking him to come join us when it suits us? So how it could be ways of us sort of being still and drinking out of the good portion that is Jesus? Here are some suggestions. So we look through the lens of the cross and then we go through some practical things you might want to consider. Uh, now, start small, be realistic. And these moments is when I say something like this, and at this moment, usually this happened to me on Sundays, I walk away from a sermon, I go, oh man, that's right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read all of Deuteronomy tonight. Start small. Be realistic. Firstly, start small by reflecting on Jesus, who he is, what he's done, on the good portion that he is, ultimately the gospel of Jesus Christ. Reflect on that reality every day if you can. Redeem technology. Utilize phones more than for email or Facebook status updates or whatever else. There's a plethora of Bible apps that you can download for free. There's even now an app to help you pray. You can put your prayer points on there. It will help you remind us. Utilize it. Uh, there's some guys here at church, uh, guys who get up really early to go, to go to work, and they struggled reading. They've told me this, but we, we chatted about some apps, and they looked at a Bible plan, and they are doing this Bible plan. They're listening to the Bible. They're hopefully, if they finish it within a year, they would have read through the whole Bible or listened to it within a year. All they do is they listen to it while they drive to work. And they, it's hard work because you're distracted. You're waking up. You haven't had your coffee yet. You're tired. But after a few days, they do it and it starts sinking in. They're starting to get pictures of what God's saying. When you head, when you head to your bed, rather than pulling out your phone to see your email or whatever else is going on, put your phone down. This is something that I've been deeply convicted about. Stop and pray. Sounds simple. Seek the good portion that is Jesus. Maybe if you're married, pray with your husband or your wife. If you're heading to work or on your train, rather than just listening to 3AW or whatever news thing that you listen to, why don't you put on your headphones to listen to music that's Christian music or maybe an audio Bible or something or a sermon to sit at the feet of Jesus. And the other thing you might want to consider, are you someone who is a yes person? You love serving. Someone will come to you. Most of us will come to you because you know you'll say yes. Maybe you need to say no. Maybe you need to say no because it's actually pulling you away from being in the presence of your Savior to drink of the good portion. If you're married, husbands, make your wife have a day off. You have a day off, give them an opportunity day off where they can actually sit at the feet of Jesus. Encourage them in that. Mums, parents, show your kids that Jesus is far more important to you than them. That Jesus and a relationship with Jesus is far more important to you than them. Because they've been living in a world that tells them they are the number one reason. They are the center of the universe. 
They are not the center of the universe. I love my kids. They're cute ass. I love hanging out with them. But my kids are not the center of the universe. If I give them that responsibility, they will get crushed. There's only one person that holds that center of the universe place. That is Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, all of us need to encourage our kids in that. So mums, how are you showing ways that you can encourage your kids to say, hey, Jesus is far more important. I love you. I'm going to show the love of Jesus to you. But Jesus is important. Mummy is going to go hang out with Jesus. Whatever way that looks like, you'll have to work that out in your own context. For those of us, there are some of you who may not know Jesus at all. Right now, you're living a life that is telling you that busyness leads to holiness. I've got news for you. All the doing that you do, all the hard work that you do will not amount to anything. What Jesus calls to you is to say, stop trying. I've already done it on the cross. I've done it on your behalf. So turn to him. Accept his work on your behalf and rest in him. If you want to know more about that, I encourage you to talk to the people who brought you here this morning or come and grab one of us. We'd love to do that. And finally, friends, do you realize as Christians in the world that tells that busyness and, and all that kind of culture, do you know that when you show a counterculture that says, well, actually, yep, I'm busy, but I actually find rest in my Savior Jesus, it's actually a powerful witness to the people around you. It extends out. It extends the gospel out. And friends see you and go, oh, something different about you. What is that? Why, why are you... Yes, you're busy, but there's some, there's a peace. What's, what's that all about? Friends, Jesus is our good portion. Rest in him and make him your passionate, passionate pursuit and passionate distraction. If you want to know how to pray for your leaders, pray that for us. That we will constantly be distracted by Jesus. That we will constantly be drinking out of the portion that he offers. Let me pray. Father, we want to thank you for who you are. Jesus, we want to thank you for this beautiful story that you have protected and kept. We thank you for the promises in it. Please change us to be a people that are constantly distracted by you. And in light of that, drinking the good portion that you provide for us. We thank you for the greatest portion you provided through your life, death, and your resurrection. We pray this in good name. Amen.